This week has been a massive week for Australian football. In 2023, we will host our first World Cup along with New Zealand. This episode, we are joined by two stars of the Matildas, Elise Keller-Knight and Alex Chidiak, who share their thoughts on the growing women's game in Australia. We hope you enjoy this episode of The Football Story. privilege of being joined by Matilda Alex Chidiak, who has represented the green and gold on 17 occasions already at the age of 21. Alex plays her club football in Madrid for Atletico and is shaping to be a big part of the 2023 World Cup squad. Alex, thanks for joining us today. It's obviously quite a strange time in the world. How's the last few months for you been? I mean, the last few months have actually probably been the best few months of the past year, just because I've been able to come back from injury and get the proper treatment that I needed. So I'm finally back running. Uh, so it's been a good past few months for me, um, considering everything that's happening in the world right now. Yeah, certainly it's definitely been um, a weird time for the world. So before we get into talking about the World Cup, um, we want to go back and discuss your journey so far. So what were your first memories of football growing up? Have you always had a ball at your feet? Yeah, apparently I have. Um, so Pretty much the story is um, I started probably when I was around three years old um, and pretty much played with my dad and my brother in my grandma's backyard growing up. Um, And that's like all I can ever remember is just always football. So it's kind of been like that ever since. And yeah, that's that's it. So what was the uh, like pathway, I guess, for young girls playing football um, when you were younger, was it always something for you that was like a, a hobby or was it something that you kind of um, took quite seriously from a young age? Um, I think I took it quite seriously. I didn't know about any of the pathways, but I just knew I wanted to play football. So I was going to kind of just make it happen no matter what. I mean, I wanted to play for Chelsea FC's men's side. Um, didn't know there was a women's side, but yeah, so that's kind of what I wanted to do when I was younger and I just kept playing. There wasn't really anything else in my mind that I wanted to do um, and there still hasn't been since then. So, yeah, I didn't really know much of a pathway. I, I played with boys up until I was 14. Um, I had I was training with another girls team at the time, the state team. Um, but, yeah, as soon as I got to 15, you had to kind of transition. You couldn't play with boys anymore. Um, and that was just from then on um, through, I guess, the ranks of, state teams, NTC, um, Young Matildas, and so on, so yeah. Cool. Um, was there, was there a, a point in your like, earlier years where you thought that you would become a full-time professional footballer or you know, that you thought you want to give it a real crack or was it, like you said, from a real young age? I think, honestly, it was just from a real young age. I was always going to try and go for it. Um, football was the only thing I ever wanted to do. I think I kind of remember the point where I wanted to I guess take it to the next level um I remember my my club coach who was saying that we had to you know start looking after our diet to think we're all like 12 years old 11 12 years old um and I took that as instead of putting um sugar on my crepes I put strawberries on my crepes so that was like the, the little change that I made but 
um, yeah, I remember that I started to be a little bit more conscious then. Um, I start to put in, a, I guess, a little bit extra work. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, clearly, like, you know, big sacrifices need to be made to, like, make it kind of in, in the big time. Um, the W League, so that, that came in around 2008, kind of shortly after the A League. Um, and that's where you kind of made your sort of professional debut at, at quite a young age. Um, how do you think the, the, the league, um, having that league in Australia, helped your, your growth as a, as a player? Well, it was just a nice thing to go from, from being in the state teams and NTC to just going into a full-time professional league. I think that was, um, I guess it's not deemed as very normal in other countries, but it's perfect for the younger girls to actually have that pathway to then get a foot into a professional league. Um, so I think that was very important for me to be able to be in that environment at such a young age early on and then be able to just, yeah, head off and go overseas from then. Yeah, it sounds like, uh, like you said, a, a nice pathway um, to moving overseas, which is what we're going to quickly talk about now. So before moving on um, to talking about the national team, how has your time in Madrid been so far? Obviously, having signed for Atletico in 2018. Yeah, so it's been like a very up and down um, kind of process. I mean, going there, I didn't really know anything about the club apart from obviously it's a big club. Um, I knew that because uh, I follow the the men's La Liga, but I didn't know anything about the women. Um, I knew that they were previous champions, but I had no idea what it was going to be like when I got there. Didn't know any of my teammates. Um, so I think I had to deal with a lot of other external things that I wasn't exactly expecting. Um and that kind of took away from just going there for football. It was like, I mean, it turned into survival mode in a way, trying to figure all of that out. So the first year was figuring everything out. And then the second year, I was kind of ready to go and I got injured. So it's been, um, it's difficult. Like I've, I have learned, you know, I've learned the language a little bit more now. I'm a lot more comfortable in Spain and living there. And I started to get a hang of, you know, playing there, being um, in and around the team. And then I got this injury, which has obviously been a big setback from then. So... So, yeah, it's, it's been like a, a great experience all up, but unfortunately haven't had the, the ideal start, I'd say. Yeah, I was reading yesterday that um, the Atletico, the, the women's team, um, broke, uh, I don't know if it was a Spanish attendance record, um, again, playing against Barcelona, like 60,000 people um, came to the game. Um, is, how, do you, how is the women's game, I guess, um, viewed over there obviously we know Spain Madrid you know everyone knows about the, the men's sides is, is the women's game growing has it always um, kind of been big or is, is it a new thing I think it's it's always been big but it's obviously definitely growing I mean in Atletico we have something like 19 women's teams so when I was there just then I was coaching these little girls that were eight years old and they have that whole pathway to go all the way up to the top in the club and that's you know, what some of my teammates now have actually done. So they've had that for years to be able to go up through that. Whereas in Australia, I guess you don't really have that. It's more um, away from the clubs and then you go into the club setup. So um, I guess like it's been what I've seen just over the past two years and, and how the fans um, are starting to treat us and how all the clubs are starting to become more and more professional. I mean, the league is, is a very, very powerful league. And there's a lot of like quality players that we're attracting from everywhere as well. So I think it's definitely shaping up to be one of the best, most competitive leagues in the world at the moment. Is there a, um, 
just kind of out of interest, is there a link between, say, like the way that the women's team play and the way that the men's team play? Is there sort of an overarching club philosophy? Obviously, like the men's team are quite well known for their style of play. Is that the kind of same style that you guys employ or is it a completely separate kind of culture? I think it's it was quite similar, but also it depends on, I guess, the players that we had at the time as well. So since I've been there, there is that like overall philosophy, but it's more, you know, the the kind of fight that Athletic have as a club. So we kind of share like the same values throughout the whole, um, all of our teams. But I guess when it comes to playing style, I think it is slightly different. Um, so yeah, but definitely um, they do drive the whole having that culture, that family kind of feeling um, throughout the whole club. Yeah, awesome. Um, so now we'll move on um, to uh, talk about a, a bit about the national team, sorry. Um, you uh, made your debut at the age of 16. What was that experience like as a teenager being thrown into you know, that environment? Yeah, I mean, it was very unexpected. Um, I think I went to my first camp on, I was like 15, turning, I turned 16 in camp. And then after that, um, went on my first tournament away with the girls and it was very unexpected for me. And I didn't think that I was going to get on the field. And when I did, I ended up for some reason, um, it was off a corner and I ended up at fullback and that was terrifying. So it was quite a terrifying experience, but like, and I didn't touch the ball either. So it was maybe two minutes of running around terrified. And then the whistle went and I was like, what just happened? Like, <laughs> it's a very strange experience for a debut. Um, but, yeah, obviously after that, it was like, oh, that, that actually happened. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was cool but also terrifying at the same time. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it would have been a pretty uh, confronting. Going back, back to that, that time, what was the culture like in and around the national team at the time? You know, were, were they a, a welcoming and inviting bunch, you know, for you, someone quite young at the time? Yeah, no, everybody was very welcoming. Um, I was pretty shy at the time and I didn't really have any other girls from SA either. So it was kind of hard to to fit in. A lot of the girls had no idea who I was. I think some of them thought that I was one re- related to one of the coaches at the time. I got asked that. So like, <laughs> uh, it was definitely strange coming in um, at that time, not really having anyone else around me. And once again, um, that similar thing of having to kind of fend for myself at the beginning. Um, but I guess from that as well, it means that now when I do come into camps, I am a lot more comfortable and confident. So I guess it's, it's at both ends. It's, it's good. And, you know, I had to go through a bit of tough stuff to get back to, to where I am now, but yeah. So moving on to the events of of the past week, um, which are obviously extremely exciting, I'm sure for you personally, and and I guess for the country as, as a whole, um, where where were you when the announcement was made? Did, did you stay up or were you um, were you asleep? <laughs> so um, moved my mattress out into the living room, and right. <laughs> so I woke up for the the last ten minutes of so when they were going to announce it. Um, so obviously they announced it, um, and that was extremely exciting. But I did go back to sleep, and then I had to wake up for uh, the Chelsea Man City game after that. So I was a little bit tired, but like obviously that whole day was very exciting. Um, and just, I mean, it didn't really hit me initially. I think it still hasn't hit me. Um, I was actually at the initial launch of it when we first found out, like, I don't I think I was 17 or something when we first found out that we we're going to be bidding. Um, and just to see how much has, has changed and, and how much women's football in Australia has grown since then. 
and where it will possibly be in the next three years as well is really, really exciting. So, Yeah, definitely. It was an amazing announcement. I was similar to you, woke up for the Chelsea Man City yeah. game, being a Liverpool supporter. So oh. I was watching that intently. Um, but yeah, um, what do you think that the squad will look like um, in 2023? Do you um, have a belief that, you know, we can go all the way and, and win the World Cup? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think especially now that we have that bid, there is going to be a lot more put into the team, a lot more attention, um, a lot more funding. I think more camps will happen, uh, more games. I mean, we're going to have to improve a lot of things to be able to, you know, put on a good show for the rest of the world we are hosting. So, you know, you do want to win. Um, and there's nothing like having that opportunity. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity to be able to win on home soil. So um, I think it is going to be a very competitive squad as well. I know a lot of girls will probably depends on, it doesn't really matter what age. I mean, you have three years to get ready for this um, amazing opportunity and have 23 players in the squad as well. So it's going to be very competitive, um, I think, which is also going to push a lot of players and ultimately make um, the league in Australia better. But also I think girls are going to want to go overseas as well and experience that. So I think just football in general in Australia will grow and it will be very, very competitive by the time we get to 2023. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of, clearly a lot of young talent, a lot of established players as well. For you personally, the, the next three years kind of um, in this World Cup cycle, what's, I guess, important for you um, to be ready, I guess, for 2023 and, and to put your best foot forward um, for getting in the squad and, and I guess being a, a key part of that, that side? Yeah, I think just finding my footing again after coming back from an injury, I guess the main thing for me right now is just to get back to, to playing football in general. Um, and I think once I start doing that, um, get into a good routine again, um, I guess anything can happen from there. But yeah, I'd love to just be able to play week in, week out. I think game time will be quite important leading up into it. Um, but other than that, also just making sure that I'm in a good environment. So I do have that at Atletico um, with quality training week in, week out. So, um, yeah, I think it's just about making sure I'm in the best environment possible, um, you know, putting in the extra training, the extra work and kind of just making sure I have that, that edge um, when it comes down to the final selections. Yeah, definitely. It's um, certainly um, an exciting time for, for football in Australia. Um, what does the World Cup coming to Australia mean to you personally? Yeah, I mean, I have like a mini World Cup trophy, I think, in my house back in Adelaide. It's like the World Cup's everything. It's all I remember ever watching. And um, it's something that, yeah, I just, I'd stay up all through the night um, watching World Cups, waking up early. Just, it's, yeah, it's just my life. So I think to have a World Cup in your hometown, that's, that's completely the ultimate um, once in a lifetime opportunity in general, but also, you know, for a player's career. And I think I'll be 24 at the time. I'm definitely going to be putting everything into that um, to make sure that I'm in that squad and, and know that, yeah, I mean, that's, it, it honestly is the ultimate when it comes to, to football for any player. Kind of sounds like, you know, a lot of players kind of like come and they, they play and they leave, but they're not actually football fans. It kind of sounds like you are, you know, you said you went back to bed, got back up for the yep. Premier League. <laughs> sounds like you are, kind of everything in your life revolves around in football in, in one way or another. What, like, what kind of, how would you describe yourself as a player? Are there players that you model yourself off? Um, what, I guess, what, what would you say is your kind of your best 
position on the field and, and your, your like best attributes? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I would definitely say that I'm more of a midfielder now. I started off as a winger, mainly just because I was left-footed. Um, but I like to just think of myself as, you know, more of that creative player. I'm a little bit different, um, I guess, in the way that I play. Um, I think I suit probably Spanish football a little more than Australian football. Um, but once again, Australian football just keeps changing and growing into different things every year. We don't really have our set style. Um, so, yeah, I think it's more, I guess, what what makes me different. Um, yeah, I mean, I just love everything to do with, with football in general. So I love futsal. I love kind of the skills, the, the flair, that kind of side of the game as well. Um, having the ball all the time is one of my favourite things. So, yeah. No, that, um, that sounds really good. Um, obviously, sounds like, you know, you're, um, you, you're like, like uh, Andrew said, your, your whole life um, revolves around football. So how has the game and, and the pathways for female footballers changed in the last few years? And do you think uh, the World Cup coming to Australia will, will boost this even more? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think um, when I was younger in the W League, my first season, I didn't even get paid. So I think that was my first season didn't get paid. Second season I was at City, so I got paid a little. But, I mean, the pay has, has jumped um, incredibly <laughs> since then. And that's in such a short period of time. But, I mean, all the, the players before me that um, played in W League and they didn't get paid for years, and that's a lot of the girls that are in the Matildas now. I mean, from what they've had to go to till now, I mean, I was only just at the kind of end of it, getting the good side of it now, and I've been told how good it is right now. Um, and I'm very lucky in this position. And I mean, all the girls coming through now, I guess they can see that pathway a little bit clearer. And, you know, you're seeing the Matildas um, kind of posted everywhere on social media. Um, you're seeing it spoken about in the media, women's football, and it's getting more and more people excited about it. Um, I guess before then, I mean, I, I had no idea who the Matildas were when I was younger. And like, I have little girls coming up to me saying that they want to play for the Matildas, which is, you know, it's really, it's really nice to hear that there is that clear goal that these girls are having now. And that's, you know, especially with a World Cup coming, that's only going to make it even crazier. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of segues nicely into our kind of next question, which was, you know, as a young kind of um, female footballer who's kind of, you know, seeing the benefits of the way that, you know, we've improved the system. Um, what would you say to, you know, what would your message be to, to young girls um, out there? Obviously, it is the most played um, sport in Australia. Um, what would you say to young girls kind of, you know, in their teenage years, you know, wanting to make a, a real go of it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just... Um... I guess once again, younger, I didn't really know the pathways, but now, you know, there is so much out there. You can play for kind of any club that, that you want to play for now. A lot of the big, huge clubs, they have women's teams. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's kind of just letting everybody know that, you know, it doesn't always have to be in Australia. There are opportunities all around the world and you can, you can play women's football professionally around the world. Um, I guess it's just, yeah, letting people know that that's, that's an option now and that's a very good option. And it's something that, um, has brought me a lot of joy in my career as well. And it's uh, something that's just, yeah, I mean, it's my whole life now. I'm able to play football professionally all year round. And, you know, I've had some disappointments with, with the national team not going to the most recent World Cup. But, I mean, it still doesn't take away from the fact that I'm, I'm able to play overseas. I'm able to come home, 
still have my lifestyle, go back over, um, kind of look around, see, like I can travel. It's, there's a whole bunch of amazing things that go with it. Um, so yeah. So we'll, we'll wrap up in a second. What, what are your like personal kind of goals for your career? You know, when you like hang up the boots, obviously, you know, we're talking a long time away, hopefully, um, you know, what, what I guess you want to achieve in the game and obviously the world cup, you know, being here will be a big part of that, but I don't know, where do you kind of see your, um, career going? Yeah. I mean, my goal, um, has always been since I was younger, I just wanted to, to travel the world playing football. So I definitely do want to go play in a few more other countries, experience that experience football in, in countries that, you know, football lovers like Italy, um, England, I'd love to go play there. Um, so I think it's, it's more, I really want to continue to, to travel with the foot, with my football. And, um, when it comes to national team, you know, I'd love to, to be in that 2023 world cup squad, but, you know, I'd love to be a regular in the squad and be able to, you know, contribute to the country in that way as well. So I think that would, if I got to do that, if I got to go to a world cup, especially the next one coming up, um, I'd honestly be very content with my career. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's kind of what I want to do. But I mean, the main thing for me is that I just keep enjoying football, um, get to experience what I'm experiencing and, and yeah. Great. Well, I mean, it sounds like you are living the dream of, you know, so many young Australians, you know, I think we probably both had that dream back in the day, but you know, had to give that one up, but um, obviously being out of travel and, and play football and I guess that's really important, you know, that, that just enjoying your football and obviously, the best footballers are the ones that, that kind of love the game. So it's been great hearing from you. Um, are you a Chelsea fan? Is that, is that what I'm, what I'm. Yep. Yep. Getting? Chelsea fan. <laughs> what are, what are your um, predictions for, for Chelsea next couple of years? Is there, is there a Premier League title on the horizon? Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. You've got to look at the team we have now. I mean, the amazing young players that we've got coming through. It's ridiculous. If we keep Those, that going. So is that a dream transfer for you to the Chelsea FC women's team? Oh, that would be, that would be ideal at one stage. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Putting a good word to Sam. Yeah. 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 I'll call up Sam after and just see if I can get in there. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely. That would be a dream of mine. Great. Well, I think a dream of ours would be to, to see the Matildas lifting the world cup um, in 2023. Um, and I hope that, you know, you have a, uh, a great next couple of years at, at Madrid um, and can, uh, who, who are the powerhouses in the, in the kind of women's game in Spain? Is it, is it the traditional Barcelona, Real? Uh, so I think um, it's actually been Atletico for Atletico and Barca. That's kind of what the Clasico is for the, the women there. And Real Madrid just have a women's team. I think as of this year, they'll have a women's team. Um, so I guess it would become the top three same, um, yep. but also Levante is really strong with the women okay. in Spain too, but definitely Atletico and Barca would be like the original Classico. Um, yeah. 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 Which was played out this morning. Did you get up and watch that? No, I didn't because <laughs> I got to bed quite late last night. So um, I would definitely be watching the replay of that. I don't know the score, so don't ruin it. Um, oh, okay. We, we got up and watched that. I won't tell you the score. Okay. Um, well, thanks. Thanks again for joining us. Um, and it's just a super exciting time, I guess, for the country and, and football. And I guess, you know, once we can start going and watching it in the stadium again. Yeah, um, definitely. 
<laughs> and, and, you know, when things are back to normal, I think, you know, we've got a, a super exciting few years um, for the Matildas and, you know, hopefully that can end um, in silverware in, in 2023. Yeah, that's the aim, hopefully. Great. Well, thanks for joining us um, yeah. Yeah, this you. morning, bright and early. All um, good. <laughs> and uh, enjoy watching the um, Atletico replay. I will. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thank you. Right. Thanks for your time. We are now joined by Matilda's veteran, Elise Callan-Knight, who was put on the green and gold no less than 113 times, making her the fifth most capped Australian of all time. Currently plying her trade in Sweden, Elise is a veteran of three World Cups and is a key part of the Matilda's side who will be hosting the World Cup in 2023. Elise, thanks for taking some time to talk to us today. No worries. Pleasure to be here. Uh, so how's your last few months been during this, this crazy time? Where have you been in the, in the world? Um, I escaped the country just in time. So the middle of March, I headed over to Sweden um, to join my new club over here. And it was a pretty unexpected outcome, I think. I mean, I didn't know what would happen in Sweden, but things have worked out really fortunately where we have been able to start our league and um, have been able to train throughout the whole period. So I think I've been really lucky to, to be based over here. Um, Sweden's had a really different approach to controlling the virus. I mean, I'm not going to comment on on what they've done and if it's probably the most appropriate approach they've taken. But um, as being a footballer, it's been great because I've been able to train and, and now we're back playing. Yeah, it definitely seems like, you know, um, we've spoken to some other people and they haven't been able to train. So having that luxury um, is really good. So... Obviously, we're really keen to, you know, talk about the World Cup. But before that, um, let's go back to where it all began. Um, how did your football journey start? Yeah, as a probably a four-year-old or even a three-year-old, um, my brother got signed into a football team and my dad became the coach with no, you know, no football knowledge or experience. But he was a teacher, so he was great with, with people and great with kids. Um, so he took control of the team and then instead of going into daycare, I'd trotted along and, and join in and, and watched and then um, started to kick a ball with the boys. And after doing that for a little bit, dad was like, oh, I think I might sign you up to your own team. So when I was old enough, I joined straight away with the local boys team. Was football like something that was always a hobby for you or was it something that you had kind of wanted to make a career out, career out of at a young age? I mean, what was the path like? pathway like I guess for, for young girls kind of in, in football yeah there was no pathway so you you definitely played the game because you enjoyed it you loved it you breathed it you always just wanted to have a ball at your feet it wasn't ever to to be a professional athlete there just wasn't really a pathway set for the females to make a profession out of it and that's only come about in recent times and I think I'm really fortunate that I was just born probably in the right era to be able to reach the benefits of um, being able to play football at this level and, and be paid and awarded for it. Um, but I would say as a kid, I definitely sure to represent your country was always a dream to always play as, as high as you could, but to actually make a profession out of it wasn't really ever a dream. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. Like you said, um, I'm pretty sure you debuted in the, the uh, W league about the time it was introduced. So 
pretty pretty good timing there. Um, when did you realise um, that you might make it as a professional footballer? Was was there a moment? Was there an age? Was there something that um, you know flicked the switch in your mind that you thought you'd be a professional footballer? I think I was a part of the movement to help make the game become professional. Um, I played throughout my teens and early 20s where the game was very much at a semi-professional level. We weren't financially rewarded to a level and the facilities weren't to a, to a level you would consider that would be professional. Um, and I think I was definitely a part of that movement that pushed it to, to reach that next stage. Um, it was difficult being in your mid-20s and, and being in a position where you weren't recognised as being a professional athlete, yet you were dedicating the same amount of your time and, and an energy and efforts to being at a professional level. And that was really tough. And I think 2015 for me was the key moment where um, the players really united and stood up and, and we wanted to take a next step to making the game become a pro professional level. And you've seen that go through all the levels now where the W League has, has set minimum standards. You've got the Matildas that um, are now treated like professional athletes and and that movement's also happened all around the world where now you've got European clubs that are a full-time professional as well. So you've seen it go throughout the world. Yeah, I mean, and having spoken to Alex um, Chidiak this morning, kind of seeing, you know, the next generation coming through and that's kind of, you know, almost all they've known because it's kind of come into, um, come into practice, I guess, for them at a, at a younger age. Um, but obviously, you know, important to remember that it, wasn't always like that. Um, you, you made your um, Matilda's debut back in 2007. What was the environment around the national team back, um, well, 13 years ago? Um, it was great. We loved it. We, we were there because we loved it. <laughs> we weren't there because you were paying us. Um, I really enjoyed the progression throughout those younger years. I feeling like the end goal was just purely to be wearing that shirt, wearing that representative Australian shirt. It wasn't, it wasn't about contracts. It wasn't about what best club deal you could get. It wasn't about anything else except pulling on that shirt. And I think it was just such a great feeling um, just to have those core values. And I think we can never move away from that. Everyone still needs to remember as the game becomes more professional and people are chasing these contracts don't ever forget why you're playing the game because I think back in those early years, that's exactly they're the only reasons we were playing. It was for pure enjoyment and, and that competition and, and wanting to represent your country. So um, I'd certainly enjoyed it at that time, but I think now in this landscape, it's a lot easier. So I don't have to study if I don't want to now. I don't have to have a second job if I don't want to now. I can dedicate a lot more time, a lot more energy, a lot more focus to actually just being a the best footballer that I can be. So I think it's a lot easier right now um, to be a footballer as was as to was what it was in those early years. But I mean, they're both very different landscapes. I don't think you can compare them at all. And it's been fantastic to watch it progress. Like I've just really enjoyed being a part. I mean, I've been a part of the game for so long. I've actually been able to experience it and. Um, thinking back to those early years and comparing it to what we have now, they're, all world, they're worlds apart. Yeah, seems like um, back then, like you still see um, the Australian teams in all sports, you know, have a real sense of pride. But to do it back then, like when you said there was no, there was no pay and you were doing it just for the enjoyment and that sense of pride and, 
you know, to, to put on the green and gold. That, that's amazing. Um, obviously, you're a veteran of three World Cups. Um, tell us about 2011 when we were knocked out um, in the quarterfinals by Sweden. What was the experience of your first World Cup like? That was eye-opening for me. That was the first time I'd ever been able to play in really big professional stadiums in front of full crowds. Like, I'd never played in front of a crowd of 30,000 people before. I was only 20 years old. And in the women's game at that time, we would not be pulling those sort of crowds. So to go to a World Cup and have those facilities, have those that fan base, I mean... We're used to that now. That would be what you consider normal at a world tournament these days. Um, but then it was just eye-opening. I was like, wow, this is, this is what you dream of. This is, this is why you play. This is why I go to training every day. This is why I sacrifice so much of my life. It was just to be at these big World Cup world tournaments. Um, and it was a great experience. And it just it leaves you wanting more. Yeah, I mean, World Cups are like the kind of holy grail of, you know, the football and the the sporting world. Um, the 2015 World Cup um, had the Matildas go up against, you know, the US, Brazil, powerhouses of the, the women's game. Um, and I think that was kind of one of the key moments in, in kind of the Australian public kind of kind of realising what, what was going on with the Matildas and, you know, um, that, that, you know, they were a force to be reckoned with. How much do you think that tournament back in 2015 kind of helped... Um, shape the Matildas going forward? Massively. We'd spent a really impressive amount of time together before that World Cup. So previously, preparation for a World Cup wasn't so intense. Um, we just couldn't afford it. People were working. People had other lives to be living. Whereas in 2015, pre-World Cup, I mean, the club landscape wasn't where it is now. So players could afford to come into a full-time basis with the national team. And that's what we did pre-2015. So we had a good stretch of probably five months of training day in, day out together. Um, and I think that was key to developing the squad. And we, it's, pretty, it's been pretty consistent since then. We've got this core group of players that have had so much time playing and training together. And pre that World Cup, um, I think that was really valuable and it kind of took us to another level. Uh, in this day and age, it would be impossible to do. You've got players that are each of us are in clubs and we're only accessible inside FIFA dates so um, to do that now would be so rare it was almost like the national team was our club um, and I think that's what helped with our performances and results in 2015. Yeah for sure and um, 2019 um, you know I'm, I remember Andrew and I we were talking about it maybe you're saying 2015 we didn't watch a lot of the women's game, but in 2019, we were waking up for the matches and watching it. So, you know, that's like how you're saying there's been a massive progression from where you started. Um, the 2019 World Cup was a, another case of agony in the knockout stages. Obviously, you <laughs> scored in that match against Norway. Um, what did you learn from the World Cup in 2019? Um we're a heartbreaking team, I think. <laughs> we want to, we're going to change that. Um, no, I mean, there's been so many. You could look at every tournament, 2015, the Olympics in Rio and then France. It's just been like we've, we've kind of stumbled at the finish line. We've gotten better in each tournament. We've definitely 
um, had a stronger foot in each tournament. But then when it, when it really comes to crunch time, we haven't been able to produce the results. And you saw that again in France against Norway. Like it comes to a penalty shootout, we, we just we come off second best. Same in Brazil at the Olympics. We came off second best in a penalty shootout. There's all these key moments that keep um, affecting the team. But I think it was a great tournament. It was great to be a part of. We certainly weren't at our best. We, we feel like we had a lot still to prove. We feel like we could have um, performed a lot better, uh, which is extremely frustrating. A World Cup is only a few weeks long. So if, if you're not on, if you're not ready, um, then it's going to bypass you pretty quick. And I feel like that, that potentially might have happened to us. It wasn't that we weren't ready, but we had a number of setbacks and um, a few key things that happened pre-World Cup that affected our, our performances on the field. So you didn't really get the best and the potential out of the team at the World Cup, which is extremely disappointing, but it gives you a fire for the next World Cup, that's for sure. So 2023, it's going to be your fourth um, World Cup. Do you think that the Matildas are finally ready to kind of get past those those knockout woes and, and you know, I don't want to, you know, hoax it or anything, but, you know, do you think that we, we can win the win the World Cup? Oh, definitely. I mean, I thought we could win the last World Cup. <laughs> if everything went to the way that we'd planned, we'd had a, like, the team was playing, performing so well. We've got so many world-class players. Um, I think you need a certain amount of luck in a tournament as well. Um, so there's always something that's left to the gods. So you can never go into a tournament thinking, yeah, we're going to, this is 100% set. There's always a little bit of element of luck, and that's what I love about the game, the unpredictable nature of it. Um, but, of course, like, there's a massive chance that, that we can be on that podium winning, winning the gold medal. I, I think we even have potential to, to medal at the Olympics next year. It's just I think we have a fantastic team. Um, all the players are reaching their prime. All the players are in top clubs playing regular football. So. If we can just um, get everything to line up and, and not have these setbacks and, and not, you know, fail at the last hurdle kind of thing, then, of course, there's always always belief. Like, we don't want to break anyone's heart anymore, so we're sick of doing that. Uh, it certainly seems, um, you know, that, you know, we, we see from the outside players like, you know, Ali just signing for Leon, and, you know, how we spoke to Alex. She's in Madrid. A, a lot of, you know players are in top clubs now so there's you know there's a real belief from the inside as well and that's really really cool to hear um what was it like for you last week hearing that the world cup was coming to australia oh absolute shock i think like a a part of me i I didn't get too hyped before it because i don't like disappointment so (laughs) i'm really i'm quite realistic so i was like there's a 50 50 split like it's such a political decision like it could go either way, just don't get too excited. And then as soon as it was announced, it was just like, oh my God, dreams do come true. So for me, having the last couple of, couple of tournaments that we've performed at, having heartbreak and setbacks and, and all of this, I feel like it, it's finally paying back. Like we're finally going to get a home tournament. Hopefully we can get the results that we deserve. So I feel like we're getting momentum from this decision. Yeah, I mean, I got a bit worried because like, uh, it kind of sounded like it was in the bag. Then, like the day before, UEFA come out and they're like, "No, nah, we're voting Colombia." And then you're like, "Oh my gosh, like it's happening again." <laughs> so political, um, yeah. And then so I many mean, things I, happened. Yeah, I mean that's so out of like our control. 
Um, but, you know, I think it's just like so, so exciting for, for the country as a, as a whole, really. What do you think like it means for the, for the women's game? Is this kind of like the, the kind of final kind of stage in, in the progression of the game? Do we still have, you know, um, things to go or, or is this kind of, you know, a sign that, you know, the women's game is here to, here to stay? final definitely not it's just starting i mean this is a great starting point for us so to host a world cup is obviously going to have so many benefits that will follow on from hosting it it's not even from hosting it's from today from when that world cup was announced the exposure um you know how many young females are now going to take an interest in football it's it's from today that this will have an effect and it'll flow on so it'll it'll now be it's now a time where the work will begin. So how do we capitalize on that? And that goes from grassroots. So how are we going to get more people within the game? How is that going to flow on to the women's professional game? Um, I mean, with COVID happening, it was certainly an, a very, it's a difficult time for women's football because I feel like the game was just starting to get momentum. Things were really starting to happen. Um, clubs were starting to professionalize the game at an individual level. So each club was starting to invest more into their females, um, which is where I think the most investment needs to happen at the club level. Um, and then COVID hits and now suddenly all the men's clubs are in trouble. So what the hell is happening to the female clubs? Like it's just a flow on effect, but to now have a world cup in our backyard kind of solidifies the women's game. I think it, it can't go backwards. There's no way that anyone can, can, turn a blind eye to the women's game. So I think it's been invaluable um, to have won that bid. And I think the flow on effects, like it's just starting, it's definitely not the final step. Um, we have goals of where we want the women's game to be and we're nowhere near where, where they are. So there's, there's a 10 year strategy of where we see the women's game being and we're very far off that. So there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, for sure. Definitely um, a, a massively exciting time for, for the women's game in Australia. Um, and like you said, just as it was um, starting to take off, this is this is really good news. So hopefully it can um, propel and, you know, kick on from here. Um, but what would you personally say to all aspiring Matildas out there listening to this? Get excited, I think, <laughs> to host a World Cup on our home soil is a once-in-a-lifetime event. Like, this won't happen again. So get excited. We've got three years to hype about this. We've got three years to to really like invest so much energy into the game so I just think really um, open your eyes and and pay attention to what's happening in your backyard because I mean football is here for the next three years and it'll be so exciting to watch and see how everything progresses yeah well uh we're we're hyping we're we're we're, we're on board um it's definitely here for more than three years as you said like you know this is just the start you know 50 years, we're going to have the men's team, the women's team lifting the World Cup. It's going to be fantastic. But, you know, a bit of work to do before then. But um, <laughs> we're going to wrap up um, in a second. Thanks um, again for, for giving us your time. Um, so I guess last question um, for you personally, what um, kind of, you know, when you hang up your boots um, and you've kind of retired from, from football, what, what are you kind of going to, well, what are your goals to have have achieved by then? You know, what's going to make you happy and satisfied when you when you eventually do give up the game? I'd love to win a major tournament. I think the amount of 
disappointment that I've experienced in my career is like it's I'm at the threshold so I think it's time that we're able to produce um, and perform to how we're capable of so as soon as we can perform at the next Olympics or the World Cup to the level that we know we are capable of then I'll be satisfied um, I feel like the world hasn't seen that yet so for me that that is the end goal I want to see the team perform to their capability and really produce the results that you know we deserve and and bring it home to Australia. Football's coming home. I like the sound of it. Elise, thank you so much for um, giving us your time and you've given us a lot to be excited about. Um, three years, it's going to seem like a long time, but I think once it all um, gets going, it's, it's going to all be worth it in the end. So we look forward to, um, you know, tracking the progress of, of all the Matildas in the next couple of years. And, and as you said, hopefully it all comes together and, it's a big um, festive party of football um, in Australia in 2023. So thank you so much for, for giving, us, giving us your time and I uh, hope you have a nice rest of the day. Got the whole rest of the day in front of you. Thanks, guys. Anytime.